Hi, welcome to the Dreamcatchers. We are sisters and business partners, Marissa Klein K and Jamie Klein Stozer. We know a little something about dreaming big. In our day jobs, we run the fashion and media division of our family staffing firm in New York City, Choice Associates. We have built a brand around helping others and good energy. Known in our personal and professional worlds as light workers, igniters, and most of all believers, Jamie and I are not only dreamers, but we are doers, and we hope our energy is contagious. On this podcast, we will be chatting to each other and to some of our favorite dream catchers, the people who inspire us not only about career, but about making magic wherever they go. On What's the Word, we will discuss a word, think community, balance, tenacity, etc., in hopes of motivating our audience to incorporate more of that into their lives. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe now and follow us on social media at Dreamcatchers23 for updates and episodes. Hi, everyone. Happy Monday. Twice we're doing this now. This is our second virtual episode in four days. Makes me kind of happy, actually. I have to say, I looked forward to it today while I was homeschooling. I switched locales. Where are you sitting right now, actually? I'm sitting on my chaise, if you will, which has never been sat on. <laughs> you mean your closet, your second closet in your room? Yeah, the, the place that I usually put the laundry. I can't it's even recognize the, the angle, which is why yeah. I'm like, I don't even know where that is in your house. It's on the floor. Um, well, welcome back, everyone, to the Dreamcatchers. I'm Jamie, my sister Marissa. Everyone, I'm in my bed. Marissa's in her room also, but she's on a chaise lounge. I'm on my bed because if I don't sit on my bed in my house during these times, there's nowhere in this house I can go without a child finding me. So I locked myself in my bedroom. Um, today we have a wonderful guest. We're so super excited to have her name is Carolyn. We're going to have her introduce herself in a minute um, on another awesome episode of What's the Word. And for those of you that know, and obviously it's in our intro and Carolyn, we'll, we'll go into this in a minute. We have two types of episodes of the dream catchers. One is what's your story. One is what's your word. And we like to talk about, um, or with people who are inspiring us in some way, especially right now. Um, today, our word is something that we will likely have to have you define for our audience. Cause most people don't know what it means. And we chose it because, you know what? We are trying to find another word that described you, in our opinion. And when you really think about what your word means, which I'll I'll go into in a minute, um, when you'll likely say it when you introduce yourself, is that it actually means, you know, a little something extra, which I feel like we all could use right now. So without further ado, Carolyn, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Sure. Uh, my name is Carolyn Gretzer-Cope, and I'm the founder of umamigirl.com. There it is. Umami. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which is a lifestyle website, mostly for women, that I started way back in 2008 now, which is very hard for me to believe. And it started out as like one of the OG food blogs back in the day. Um, and now we cover lots of things, still a lot of food and recipes, but also a lot of other lifestyle elements like travel and books um, and interiors and things like that. See, I so live in Fairhaven, New Jersey with um, my two daughters and my husband. Me too. Me too, except I have boys. Um, I, I, I think it's fun to say that I had been, you know, soliciting you or flirting with you that I wanted you to be on the podcast. And I thought that, that your audience and our audience were probably very like-minded. And sure enough, we were scheduled for, I think it was 
day one of homeschool. And all of us were like, what's happening? We can't do this right now. Reschedule. Are we supposed to be seeing you in person? Should we touch? We had that moment, right? It was like. I'd love to see you in person. I feel like it's actually fairly apropos for us to be doing an interview about somebody that's been successful virtually. Because right now, any of us that are doing something a little bit different, which I think every single one of us is doing a lot of things very different, um, could use a dose of you and your skill set and your experience to feel inspired. No pressure. Um, And, you know, I mean, listen, our bars are low. Like our inspiration level is like just getting out of bed and like making it from the bed to brushing teeth to breakfast, right? Meal one of the six that we make in a day. So considering you have lots of recipes and words of wisdom, I feel like we could learn a lot from you. Anyway, I also met you through um our daughters last year as they starred in a musical which hopefully theater will resume back soon um, i hope so i think the last activity that happened in fairhaven was my daughter this year and her friends in the fifth grade musical i think it was literally the swan song of all of our activities mm-hmm. um and so and now what we usually do on an episode like this in good times and in um, stuck at home times is we kind of unpack your story a tiny bit. And um, Jamie and I love to find out how people get to where they are and why. And I think if we could uh, start at the beginning. Oh, so just to be clear, everybody, what's your word, Carolyn? My word is umami and umami means Technically, it's the fifth taste. It's a Japanese word that means um, savoriness, basically. So there's bitter, sour, sweet, and salty. And then umami means like kind of like a meatiness or savoriness. And it's um, the reason it's the name of my website is because at some point, and I can talk about this more later, I figured out that that was the thing that drew together all my favorite foods. Like for years, I had no idea, like, why did I like certain things like Parmesan cheese and soy sauce and mushrooms didn't seem like they had a lot in common, but they all are super high in umami. But then it also pretty much from the beginning of the website, it meant to me like that little something extra that brings everything together or makes things a little bit more delightful or a little bit special. I love it. Thanks for the description of both of us actually. Um, no, I love it. That's why when I was thinking, when I was reading your bio on your website, we were like literally going to think of other words for you, like enrich and nourish and just cool other words about kind of things that you bring. And I was like, you know what, you guys, let's just do umami. Like it's the whole point of obviously who you are, but also it really is such a special word if you think about it. And I happen to be, a, a I guess, a self-proclaimed foodie. I wouldn't call myself a chef or a you know, expert, but I definitely love to cook and I love to watch food television and such. So I actually knew the word and I was proud of myself for helping my sister understand what it meant. But I think it's a really great word to describe you and what, like I said earlier, we all kind of could use a little extra something special and savory and that ties everything together right now. So so I'm just glad that you didn't choose the word girl because that's something (laughs) I put in my brand name like 12 years ago. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm 43 now. Do we still have the word girl in my time? Yeah, like umami woman. We're the umami women now. Um, 
So let's start from the beginning. Um, we always, as Marissa mentioned, we love to hear kind of why people do what they do and how they got there. What did you want to be um, when you grew up? So it's a funny answer because I took like the most circuitous possible path to get here, but I really wanted to be a writer when I was a kid. And um, it seems like I could have, <laughs> it could have been a lot easier for me to get where I am if I had listened to myself a little bit more early on. I don't think I quite knew what it meant. Like maybe a journalist, maybe. I still actually would love to write fiction at some point. Um, but yeah, that was, that you was something that's always clear to yeah, you do have the time to do it now. <laughs> Dive into that manuscript, Carolyn. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh, my job is busier than ever right now. Actually, that's I know a weird thing. Well, I'm. Well, I want to hear about that. Actually, okay. So you wanted to be a writer. That was the first thing that you wanted to be. Which, by the way, I wanted to be a writer too. It was the first thing that I remember wanting to be. Um, I actually just was digging up my first grade uh, novellas last night. That's funny. Still have project. <laughs> Uh, well, my mom, my mom, for better or for worse, sported a lot of stuff, which um, I now follow suit and do the same thing. So do you remember what your actual first job was? Yeah, I had a couple right around the same time. And one was like a pretty good fit and one was the worst possible fit. So um, I, I actually, I think technically the first one other than babysitting was I worked at the limited at the Bridgewater Commons Mall in Bridgewater, <laughs> New Jersey. Um, and I still don't know how to fold clothes. Like it, that was just the worst possible fit for me. <laughs> I later on, um, when I was a lawyer for a while, they were also one of my like legal clients too. <laughs> that was a slightly better fit. Um, but then the other one was I was a waitress at an Italian American restaurant in Bedminster, New Jersey, and I totally loved that. It was great. I would do that again. You know, that's really fun. I um I love that, and and it's funny because so I never interestingly enough, even though I worked in fashion for a long time, I never really worked in retail. Um, but I was a waitress for a very long time, and uh, I we talked about this actually the other day. The hospitality or learning hospitality and customer service at a young age is something that you take with you forever and ever and ever and ever. 100%. Um, and Jamie has always said, like when we're looking at resumes of um, people in college or new grads or people seeking internships, you know, the, some some people will give the advice to remove those kind of jobs from your resume when yet you ha you haven't really had any work experience to put anything else on. And we always try to highlight um, the key points from working in hospitality as you're looking for a corporate internship are the things that probably, I mean, I draw upon some of the stuff from my first waitressing job to this day, including referencing to the Me Too movement, but that's not relevant <laughs> to this conversation. That's um, true. Uh, <laughs> it's true. Um, anyways. So wait, what I, happened between, let's go back a second. What happened between wanting to be yeah. a writer and becoming a lawyer? Oh my gosh. Um, so what happened was I um, had to decide what to major in in college. And I was going back and forth between literature and like what essentially was political science. And I made the first in like a long series of decisions that was instead of leaning into what I was already comfortable with, I wanted to like broaden my horizons. And so I chose the thing that felt less comfortable. And that was politics basically is what it was called and um then 
I took like, this is a little bit of a detour from law, but the next job after that was before law school, I spent four years pretty much working in dot-com because I graduated in 1998 from college and it was a great mm-hmm. time, super lucky to go out and get a job. So I worked um, at a dot-com for a while and then that imploded um, as they mostly all did. And then I applied to law school already feeling very old. I think I, I can remember how old I would have been, but four years after after college and both that job and .com, I, I took that one so that I could like, I was terrified of public speaking. I still don't love like getting up and giving presentations in front of lots and lots of people. And I took that job because part of the job description was like, oh, you can go present in Vegas in front of 2000 people at the eHealthcare World Conference or whatever. Not like it was skill building, but it kind of got me one step further away from I think what I was really meant to be doing. And law school, I mean, it fit with a lot of my, um, a lot of the things that I was pretty good at, right? Like I'm good at writing, I'm good at critical thinking. Um, and I think I just wanted a graduate degree with a D in it pretty much. And I didn't want to spend mm-hmm. eight years getting a PhD. Um, and, you know, I was pretty good at it and I wouldn't trade the experience for anything. I love so many of the people that I met and the way that it taught me to think, but looking back, I think most people either go to law school because they really want to be a lawyer or because they're like pressured by their parents or something to do that. And my mom was like totally blown away that I was going to go to law school. She she was like, you want to be a writer? What are you talking about? So I don't, it was, I think it was just like trying, trying to, um, trying to improve myself basically. And maybe a little bit of like, not quite buying that who I was and who I kind of knew I was, was good enough or something like that. Like there's Mm -hmm. like this tiny little element of like hidden self-loathing in it or something that made me kind of make all these different decisions that pushed me in a different direction. I feel like when we first met, we had like this really long conversation that stemmed around some of this stuff. And it's like coming back to me standing in your gorgeous kitchen. Um, I think it's interesting when you hear yourself speak, and this is my favorite part about interviewing someone. It's like you talking, we can hear, you can almost hear that 20 something that, you know, 18 or 19 year old person saying, this is who I think I am, but yet this is who I envisioned myself to be. And they don't match. So you wanted to go out and figure that out. Also, chances are you have a little bit of both sides of that brain. And we didn't necessarily have at our fingertips all the things that we do have now in 98, 99, 2000 to make choices that blend it. Mm-hmm. Um, you made That's a choice because you made it. just kind of like, I guess I'll go to law school. Like it was, I remember thinking that, I mean, I'm a few years behind you, but that's kind of what, and we talk about this all the time. I was a communications grad from Michigan which is an amazing school, but wasn't necessarily a communication school, right? So I didn't come out of school with this path. I was kind of like, all right, well, I think I'll do PR because I feel like that's what I'm good at and I can write and I do like public speaking and I don't mind, you know, schmoozing people and entertaining others and planning events. And so often, even nowadays, that we have conversations with people that start their careers because that was what you do, right? So it was like, no, it was literally you'd graduate college in those days. And it's weirdly not that much different now, but obviously with LinkedIn and other ways to research, you have so many other choices, but you'd graduate college and you either 
tripped into something because somebody told you along the way that you might be good at it or you went back to school. And I think it felt very safe too, because it was like staying on the path in some ways. Right. Like, right. right. And you probably liked education. All right. I'll go back to school. Like that's what I should do in school and school was safe. And as long as you were learning, you could control what you were doing. Right. And in the weirdest way, it was like the least safe thing I could have done because it was moving so far away from like what, you know, what are you from? You're from the Northeast, right? I grew up in in Bridgewater, New Jersey. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I forgot that part. That's where the limited was. Um, (laughs) But you ended up when you worked, did you work on the West Coast when you were in the dot com? I never did. I was in the city, actually, um, in a great, uh, such a great place like Hudson and Canal area. Oh, so great. I worked there. My first job was on uh, Grand and Bleecker. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's good days. And I live in Hoboken during that time. Garage. A oh gourmet my gosh. garage. I would, <laughs> I would go, I would, I probably made less than what my lunches cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would totally. sit on the steps of the Catherine Melandrino store and I would eat that said expensive salad. Um, I also think I still ate a lot of bread then. Um, so, I'm eating a lot of bread again. All of a sudden, I'm one of these I, people I that find, now has a sourdough yes. starter. <laughs> <laughs> a sourdough starter. <laughs> Only in the past like six days, but yeah. Oh my God. Corona, Corona is C for Corona carbs. carbs. Totally. Yeah. Um, so Jamie loves to talk about the aha moment. Obviously, you've definitely had some professional pivots. And of course, I like to think about astrology and timelines and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But we'll save that for a rainy day. When do you, when did you notice, or when did your, your path change toward food? By the way, it, we could play a drinking game for how many times these things come out of my ears. I, I can't think of the Um, so when did you decide to go from food and tech? I mean, I'm sorry. That was just me trying to put my thing in from tech and, and, and law to actually honoring some of your interests and passions. So it's kind of a hot mess that like there is a little thread of sanity throughout it, I think, but um, a few different points. So I always, like I said, I always knew that I liked writing and I, you know, I grew up in an Italian American household. So I definitely always loved cooking and was very interested in food. And I kind of like, I watched a ton of the Food Network back when it used to be actually like all about cooking shows. Me too. Um, (laughs) I even watched food television before Food Network. Yeah, amazing. Did like you? PBS, a little you bit. Watch, like, you watch like Galloping Gourmet yes. and like Jan can cook. Oh my God. <laughs> and um, when oh, Jamie Oliver was the naked like, chef. Naked chef. My mom was like, what are you doing? I'm like, this is calming to me. I don't know why. And I didn't end up making a career out of food, but it is so interesting how things like that from a young age, I, it, I love to cook. And it started so long ago watching those shows like before the Food Network even came out. Sorry. No, not at all. So I, and I could not identify more with that. But so uh, even it was a little bit knowing all of that already deep down. And it was a little bit having kids pretty early. I got married quite young um, and we were like very much the first among our friend group to have a kid. And so my older daughter um, was actually born on purpose at the beginning of my third year of law school. So I was already, you know, it's like the third year of law school is not super onerous compared to the other ones, but it definitely is kind of a lot. And I was commuting into the city from Hoboken and I had this tiny baby. 
Um, and so actually you guys might like this story as recruiters. I, um, when I showed up for my interviews to like get my summer internship at, that you do between the second and third year of law school, I was this like, you know, spelt woman in like four inch heels and like a little pencil skirt and whatever. And when I showed up for the first day of my summer internship, I was like, six or seven months pregnant <laughs> and I just like did not know what you're to like, do. Hey, sorry, me. I have some news. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, this is cool, right? Um, you're like, oh, you were looking to go out at, um, God, what was the place? What was the place on 14th street with the, never mind. Luna I was park. going yeah. to say something funny. Yes, exactly. The park. Luna park. Yeah. Luna park. <laughs> I was like, they were thinking you were going to be one of the interns that went to Luna park and they were wrong. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, no brand for no you. Brand. No, no margaritas for you. Oh my gosh. Um, so, and then basically I graduated from law school, took both the New York and New Jersey bar. Um, but I deferred my offer to like start full time at that law firm for a year. And I stayed home with my older daughter. And during that time, um, as hey, where our, our timer's going off. I hate to interrupt you, but if you <laughs> want to hear the rest of this amazing story... You're going to have to go to the podcast app on your phones and listen there. Go ahead. Um, so I, um, for, as a Christmas gift from my husband, like during that year, I got this amazing gift, which was essentially that every Saturday for six hours, for six months of the year, I would go to what was back then the French Culinary Institute in Soho and do it's their La Technique program, which is like a program for serious amateurs where you learn a ton of culinary technique, but you don't have to, you know, spend $50,000 on a full um, culinary degree. So I did that during Definitely that Definitely looked into that a couple of times. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was really wonderful. Um, and honestly, I think I knew like two thirds of the stuff that I learned there from just having watched a lot of old school food network, but it's still, it's a credential and it was fun and I met cool people and everything. Um, and so I already had that under my belt by the time I started like day one official at the law firm. Um, and then after that, it was really like a combination of it was being a, you know, as a big, essentially Wall Street law firm. And I had a one year old and my husband also had like a big job. Um, and it quickly for that reason became like pretty difficult. And it was actually, I'm very grateful. I was like, I did it for a year and a half and I was really miserable for like a lot of the time, but I feel like if I hadn't been so intensely miserable, it could have gone on for like a decade. Right. And I wouldn't have had the impetus to just jump ship. Um, and instead what happened in real life is that I had one performance review while I was there at which they essentially said like, we think you're really smart, but you just don't seem that interested in this job. And instead of being worried about that, I was like, huh, this performance review is really accurate, right? Like, good job, guys. <laughs> great, great work. Um, and then I ended up, like, literally the day I got my year-end bonus, I called my husband and we moved it into a bank account that I was pretty sure that the law firm didn't know about. And then I, like, walked next door to my manager's office and said, I'm done. Thank you very much. It's been great, but this isn't the right fit for me. Um, and that was it. Wow. Well, I mean, listen, we talk about all these things through the years, having interviewed people for 16 years or so. And it's funny because I think what happened for you there is that you just combined a couple of stages at once, <laughs> meaning like the, the law school 
fees, costs, work, probably would have had a couple more years before you crashed and burned <laughs> if you weren't also mothering a one-year-old yeah. before any of your other friends in a time in which being a working mother in a pretty high-profile position was not necessarily that forgiving. Um, so that is a lot. That's a lot. Also, then noticing you're not that interested in it <laughs> would be a nice cherry on top. Yeah, I mean, I really tried, like, I spent a while essentially, like, going to all these great restaurants, right? Because that was one really nice thing about working at a big law firm is that as a young associate, you get to take, like, all the new summer associates to lunch and talk to them about what it's like to be a lawyer. So I was, like, enjoying going to, like, great restaurants in the city. It also was, I guess, 2008, and there were a handful of food blogs, and I found myself kind of, like, sitting at my desk looking at those a little bit too often. Um yeah. And then I tried hard for a while to say, like, obviously, I'm doing a kind of law, you know, I was doing like corporate transactional work for these huge companies. Um, I knew that maybe if I switched into like trust and estates or a, di a totally different type of law, um, that the lifestyle could be a little bit better. But it was pretty clear that if I was going to make a big change, I might as well shift to something that I felt like I actually really wanted to do, which I know is never the advice that anyone <laughs> gives anyone but, but you know what the truth is is for the type of person that you were if you hadn't gone through all those things you wouldn't have felt like you had that you deserved to be able to start your blog that's like so right that it gave me chills when you said that that's totally right yeah Jacqueline. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so i did have a moment there was a um in hoboken there's like a music class for parents and children that i used to take my daughter to and like right in the middle of being about ready to go back to being a lawyer, the woman who ran it, who I thought was super cool, said to me, you're a lawyer? I thought you were like a photographer or something. And I, said, I was just like, thank you. Like, I was so glad that she thought that. Like, maybe that should have tipped me off at some point, too. Um, that must have predated Adam and Aardvarks. Yeah, we're both Hoboken transplants, too. It was, I can't remember what it was called right now, on First Street. Her name was Karen. Oh, because you're you were it's probably like music together or something. Yes, downtown something together. Like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, but downtown, we were uptown. It was like a whole different thing because those twelve those fourteen blocks were too too harrowing once you had that stroller. Totally. Or at least for me. Um, yeah. so you started out obviously then Hoboken, downtown, young mom, semi retired lawyer, and you put the blog live and the yes. intention was to what so um a combination of things like I, it was definitely a platform for writing and even back then it wasn't so clear that you could make like a long-term business out of a food blog per se but i definitely wanted to build a brand um so that was like a little inkling of trying to develop an audience and like have a brand that could carry on to other things um, but also, P.S., when I finally um, was done with the law firm, I was already pregnant with my second daughter. And it was, I didn't tell anyone. I'm the only person to have worked at a law firm like that and been pregnant two different times and have zero maternity leaves. Like, I just, I never, <laughs> <laughs> never had a real life maternity leave from them. Um, but I think I just, when I was leaving the law firm, I knew that I'm just not the type of person who could just 
stay home. I hate saying it like that. And it's like, it's wonderful when people are satisfied by that, but I just knew I needed something like I'm too selfish. I needed something that was mine. Um, and so I started the website. Yeah. I, I, so I started the website, um, at the same time that I volunteered to basically be a um, drop-off point for our community-supported farm that we were members of, we had a garage in Hoboken, which is like the coveted thing to have. And so once a week, basically, like a farm from northern New Jersey would come and drop off like the farm shares for a bunch of people living in Hoboken who wanted to pick them up. And I just threw myself into volunteering for that. And I think it helped me very much right away um, that the people that I was writing for were people that I was chatting with in real life once a week. So I started developing recipes to use like the crazy vegetables that they're getting in their mm -hmm. farm shares, basically, right? Like, oh, what do I do with kohlrabi? And I would just come up with something to do with it and like write a funny story and put it on the website. And that was that. Um, and so I think like one of the dangers of working online is sometimes it can feel like a little bit amorphous or it can feel like you don't have such a direct connection necessarily with your audience. And I think it just helped me so much to like really know who I was writing for and have them be like real whole people um, mm -hmm. right from the get go. So you cut your teeth by actually knowing your audience. Yeah. Um, and then that. As, as your business grew, um, your point of view grew as well. And and you've been working from home and balancing the children ever since then, correct? That's right, yeah. And it hasn't always been like a truly full-time, it certainly wasn't a full-time income at first. Um, it's in many ways, it's been like a full-time job um, for that whole 12 years in terms of like how much effort I put into it and how many hours I work. Um, but yeah, that's right. It's basically, it's been... So full-time job without a full-time income. I can't imagine. I can't relate to that at all. <laughs> <laughs> what? I have like three full-time jobs with like a quarter of a full-time income. Totally. Correct. Me too. So these days, like, because I'm just very lucky and because lots and lots of other people started doing this and, you know, started like having food blogs and websites and started being true entrepreneurs where they were creating like service companies around this industry. Like I am now part of like a really terrific ad network and sponsorships are much easier to get and things like that. It's become a full-time income. And I, I need to sometimes think, I need to remember to think of it as like a company, right? It's a full-time income, but it's also a, like a small company that I'm building. I'm a very reluctant entrepreneur, but I seem to have been doing it for 12 years. So, but yeah. So tell, tell us some... Um, Tell us something fun about the skills that you've perfected through the years that you can translate to times like now for those of us that may be lacking some of your tools. So I've been very busy in the past couple of weeks because so much of what, like so much of the type of cooking that I used to do back when it was about the farm shares and also 2008 was pretty good, I guess, but half the second half of 2008 and 2009, right. was the economic downturn. So, um, it I sounds have, very familiar. It's yeah. like, <laughs> hmm. so I, um, I've been looking back at like right now, what recipes are popular and what types of posts people are looking at. And it's things like, you know, making your own vegetable stock from like, 
scraps of like potato peels and some like limp carrots from your fridge and whatever. Um, because, you know, it's like really hard to go to the store right now and buy a box of veggie broth or have tons and tons of recipes for beans and lentils and things like that. Um, and those are all getting very popular again. So, I mean, I think the thing, like the, the broader theme of all that is that there is so much that you can do with what you have, right? And it's like, it feels a little bit outside almost everybody's comfort zone to just kind of like open the fridge, see what they have, feel like they don't have very much and still make something pretty great out of it and like own the process and just kind of feel good about how it turns out. Um, but you can, and you can ask people for help if you need to, right? Like one of the things I've been trying to do right now is just say frequently, please ask me if you need help with, you know, if tell me what five ingredients you have in your pantry and let's figure out something that you can, that you can make. Um, and then, and I think a big part of it too is like, just kind of not expecting perfection. Like food can be really great, even if it's kind of a random thing that you threw together and you'll never make again. And if your kids eat a few bites of it and you are not hungry at the end of the day, then like success, you know? You know, I almost feel like at the, at the risk of being deep here, um, but here I go, isn't that symbolic? Everything you just said is somewhat, somewhat symbolic to everything in life right now. So mm -hmm. because we can exercise control um, it's funny. We talked about last night. The trigger for me is when I look or one of the several triggers, we won't, we won't digress to the other ones, but one of my triggers is when I can't control my shopping list. Like when I can't solve that, I can't go. Um, and by the way, that's for a thing for me in regular life. So it's exacerbated now. And yesterday I gave myself a stern talking to because just because we're low on frozen, this is such a ironic example, but just because we're low on frozen mini pancakes. So the minute I get low on something, I write it down on my list. This comes from being a working mother who balances several things. And when something's low, I write it down on a paper list, not an Alexa, not my phone, just a paper list. And if it doesn't go on my list, it doesn't get put back into our house. Like it's my system. So I write something down on my list and then I look at it. And now it's a trigger for me that I'm not going to be able to solve that mm -hmm. because I don't know when I'm going to be able to get mini pancakes. So instead I said to myself, I have batter. What's the big freaking deal? You know? And I literally made myself calm down and say, so I put one in and the other one comes out. Um, I made myself calm down and say, I don't need frozen pancakes right now. I have batter and I can make my daughter what she needs when she wants it. And it's okay. So, yeah, it's a hard thing to do, though, right? Because like so much of the reason that we survive and thrive normally is because you put stuff on autopilot like that. And if it works for you right. and you don't have to rethink it, that's a really great thing. And so it's a, it is stressful, right, to like create these new processes. But yeah, you totally you can, you can and you probably have a lot more in your pantry or in your right. house and I mean, to do or you, whatever. You don't have to. You don't have to worry about what you don't have in that minute if everything else is full. So I just have to reprogram my brain a little bit, or like what you said, turn to somebody that knows how to use five ingredients in their fridge to make us all. Because the truth is, is the, the, the lemonade or out of these lemons or the bittersweet or the, the umami, if you will, <laughs> is that I'm actually preparing meals and sitting down with my family more often than I 
I've, I've eaten more meals with my family in the last two weeks than I probably have in the last four months. Yeah. And I, I, I literally, and it's not that beauty is not wasted on me. Mm-hmm. It's just unfortunate that it's, it's colored with a lot of unknown and some two thirty AM wake ups. Um, but the beauty of being able to spend this time together and fill it with trying to figure out how to learn an Instapot and looking up recipes is enriching because I don't usually have that kind of time. Yeah, I think that's true for a lot of people. I mean, it's true for me, honestly, right? This is my job and I, we still definitely do not come anywhere near sitting down together for dinner every night during regular life. And yeah, it's, no. been, it's been much more so, which is nice. So do you feel, so you feel like business right now is busy for you? It is because I have these skills to offer, right? And actually, so I was talking about, you know, basically like recipes for pioneering being popular right now. Another thing that's really popular right now is cocktails, right? So I've been um, putting out more recipes for things like, you know, to to help people get through a little bit as well. And um, a big part of what you don't see about the job of blogging is like rehabbing old content, right? Because... I know a lot now that I didn't know 12 years ago and lots has changed. Um, So a big part of it for me now has been kind of digging back into my older content and figuring out what I can make better and more useful for people. Maybe I'll have to have you make a signature Dreamcatchers cocktail. Ooh, I love that idea. I like that idea too. In fact, I'd like right now. We'll that, talk about what you like to drink and then I'll figure something out. That'd be really oh my God, that'd be so fun. We have, we have the same taste, so it's very easy. Excellent. It's tequila based. Let's just nice. say that. Um, so just to go back to umami a, a minute, I know we talked about, I, I love when you described at the beginning that Parmesan and mushrooms and what else did you say? Something I else. I said soy sauce or sushi. Soy sauce, yeah. Thing. They all have this similar savoriness, which is kind of what the word umami really means. But what does the word umami mean to you? You know, so you mentioned why you decided to name your blog that. Um, But if you could talk about that a little bit more, I think that would be great. And also, like you said, I mean, it is kind of that something extra. Um, Yeah, I think um, (laughs) another element of it that I probably didn't say before is like, I always feel... I would say to this day, I'm kind of used to it now and I I wouldn't trade it, but I always feel like a little bit different or a little other or a little bit like outsidery kind of wherever I am. And I think um, something that I like about the idea of umami or savoriness is that it's just a little bit like funky or weird or different, right? Like it's not the, so many fewer people are like, yes, I'm really craving something umami right now than mm-hmm. like a cupcake <laughs> or something sweet or even salty. So I think I identify with it from that perspective. And I think, um, over time, and this is pretty common for like old school blogs, the site has gone from a place that kind of started out, it, it was in service of, you know, the people that I was talking about who were needing to figure out how to make certain recipes. But it kind of started out more as like a forum for self-expression and was more like about me and my family. Um, and over time, it's the service content has increased a lot, right? It's much more about like looking out into the world and figuring out how to serve and help other people. Um, and so to that extent, I feel like Umami is a little bit of like a way for me to hold space for other people who maybe don't quite feel like they fit in exactly in 
different ways. Um, or I don't know, people who, people who think critically and who, um, a lot of it is humor, I guess, too. So, and it's always like a little bit of like, um, I don't know, not complex humor, but just, a, you know, a little bit of like, yeah, exactly. Um, You're a so, dream catcher. That's what you are. Yeah. The reason why we're drawn to you is everything you just explained is the type of tribe that we attract. And that's kind of what the folks that we've interviewed on this podcast over the last 18 months have all been that similar kind of really feeling this kind of guttural and innate need to help others find space to do something. So whether it's exercise or thinking differently or food related or for us career and, you know, intuitiveness, I think that what you're doing is a very similar thing, which is why we selected you to be a dream catcher. So you just defined it right there. Love it. I mean, I, I met her and I was like eating out of her hands. Yeah. Like you hear her. Then she's talking, she's talking and I feel like I'm taking, like I'm like stepping into lavender. Literally, I just have to tell you, Carolyn, and I'll say this on air because it's become like a joke that I say her name every time I'm on a podcast, which is Tootsie. I texted Tootsie that I was interviewing you today. And because I work with her on the side as a, as a kind of side hustle. And I said, I'm interviewing Umami Girl today. And she goes, oh, awesome. I love her. She's such a sane voice. Lovely for the I'm going to bleep that out of today's <laughs> life and tone. That's so nice. um, but she's like, her voice is just so lovely. And I was well, like, she, I she, can't also, she also sings, which is no shock because her no daughters shock. are so talented. I can hear it. Do sing. Yeah. That's so nice. Thanks for saying that. Tootsie's wonderful. And I would say exactly the same thing about her. So, Oh, I know oh, she's the best. Um, so speaking of folks like that, that we are inspired by, that's our actually a good segue. Our next question, obviously you're inspiring others so much right now and, and in general with your recipes and your content and trying to kind of give people something to feel excited and joy. Um, how do you stay inspired? I know you mentioned a little bit before about some of the blogs that you read sometimes, and is there anything specific that you do or that you're doing even right now to stay inspired so that you can deliver the best version of yourself and your content to your audience? Yeah, for sure. I feel like I kind of need a constant stream of external inspiration to stay motivated or just stay like feeling alive almost. Mm -hmm. Um, Music is a big one for me. And it tends to be like people who are really, really good at music. And I'm a huge nerd. A lot of it is classical and choral music and stuff like that. But I, um, I take a huge amount of inspiration from that. And then sometimes it's just ridiculous things. Like I, um, I was washing my hands the other day as we do now. And I had a new, um, I forget which even like I always say flavor, which flavor of Mrs. Meyer's soap it was, but it was a new one. And it's in this like kind of beautiful purpley container. And I just had this moment where I just almost like burst into tears because the purple was beautiful, which might be because, <laughs> might be because the world's a little weird right now, but it's, it, it'll be like random moments like that, that I feel super strongly. And then I can kind of just take that into whatever work that I'm doing. Um, I feel like, I feel like I need to see the container. <laughs> I mean, it, it might have just been the moment, but like, which Mrs. Myers was it? It's a new um, one. I can't even. Oh, you know, it's called um, like Plumberry, maybe. We'll have to look that up. I don't even love the smell as much as some of the others, but the color is totally on point. <laughs> <laughs> I like purple. I always well, like purple. 
purple is purple is the highest functioning color. It's our highest color of the chakra. Is that true? I should yes. learn more about that. Yes. Um, so, okay. So you find little bits of inspiration wherever you go. And great, is that right the now weirdest you answer you've ever gotten? No, purple? I love that answer. <laughs> yeah. well, first of all, music is music to my ears because music is definitely one of my answers and Marissa's answers too. In fact, uh, you know, when we're feeling stressed, we sing show tunes. So, um, when I was getting ready for my wedding, uh, and I was nervous, Marissa just like blasted wicked. And I just sang, we take a part. I'm like, okay, I'll be like, which one are we going to do here? Like, I'll go low, you go high, like harmonize the whole thing. And both of us can sing, but we're not singers. I would define myself as a dancer before I define myself as a singer. Um, but it's just so freeing. And then like, I can't, I love new music Friday and on my Apple, my iTunes app and you know, music is still happening and new music just came out on Friday actually. And I was listening to it for a while and lots of new cool tracks and I'm not as, you know, classically, um, inclined as I am hip hop and pop and EDM, but I love listening to music and feeling inspired by that. But I never thought about a color before, but I think that that's something that definitely rings true for Marissa and I too, is being inspired by like the randomest stuff. I love that. Another one, I guess, that happens constantly, and I'm sure you both have this too, is just like hilarious things my kids say, or like, just like, it's always little moments that take me by surprise, I think. And I, if something seems like just so brilliant or someone's doing something that seems exactly right for them, right? Like watching somebody be really good at or like really joyful about whatever thing that they're doing, even if it's not something that I care about that much or I'm great at, that's definitely, that'll do it for me too. I agree. And I think that we've gotten this blessing of like Marissa was saying before about sitting down and eating meals with each other. You know, I'm, I'm just inspired by the fact that my son who's seven in second grade can like figure out Google classroom. And he's like in this app, And he's like downloading stuff. He's like, I got this, ma. Like, I'll show you where Pearson is. And he's like showing me all this stuff with his math. And he's so proud of himself because, you know, and quite their little fingertips. Yeah. And like watching him try to type, like the whole thing is just very annoying most of the time. But actually, (laughs) there's also a part of it that's been super cute to watch because as a working parent, I wasn't admittedly spending that much time with him as far as the education would go. Right. Right. So my nanny would be doing the homework. I always did the reading with him at night, but for me to watch his little brain throughout the math has been super inspiring to me. I'm like, listen, we all are going to get through this. Like he can figure out his math at home without his teacher. We can do anything. It also makes me appreciate teachers even more than I did before. I always knew that I could never do that job, but wow. Absolutely not zero shot. And I I I love the best. I saw the best um, meme the other day um, that I'll share that while you guys can continue talking, but I'm going to, I'm going to read it out loud. I put it in my story and now I have to find it. About, well, I was going to say, I feel like I'm very, very lucky during this weird time that my kids are a little bit older, right? I have my, yeah. my youngest one is 11 and like decently self-sufficient and that. Yeah. Listen, if you have any desire to take on a four-year-old boy at any time, <laughs> You this seem is, very confident. I'm happy to send them over. Side. This is your side of winning for, for missing the, the margaritas at Rio Grande. 
Yeah, and totally. Yeah, exactly. I have a plan on the margaritas at Rio Grande and Luna Park, but you have an 11 year old during quarantine because honestly, rest- like that's, I mean, that's funny and very true right now. And it's also very true in my like life trajectory in general, right? Like I am super psyched all the time that my kids are older now. And I feel like I have this other whole kind of like phase of career coming and I can do it now because God, yeah, I, I, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Let me just share this. Let me just share this, and then we're going to go into our mantras because I love that. Um, you may have read this, but I'm going to say it because I think it's important for all of us to hear, and hopefully our listeners too. Public service announcement, parents: What we are being asked to do is not humanly possible. There is a reason we are either a working parent, a stay-at-home parent, or a part-time working parent. Working, parenting, and teaching are three different jobs that cannot be done at the same time. It's not hard because you are doing it wrong. It's hard because it's too much. Do the best you can. And I just love that because like you said, I've never respected teachers more. I've never respected stay-at-home moms more. I've never respected full-time working moms more because I've always been this mishmash and it's been a real eye-opener for me to see how challenging all of this is together. So it could be um, also it could also be an eye closer, just just depending on which day you're looking at it. Yeah, like <laughs> I'm I'm easily like inspired by that. 50-50 inspired by that, 50-50, like uh, let's just go take wait, a nap wait, because I'm done. Wait, Carolyn, before we move on to like light and inspo a little more, I have a question. Are your girls eaters? Say that are they eaters? Oh, yes. Um I don't and know were what they went, they always were. I don't know what went right about that. And like, it's the kind of thing that people ask me for advice on because of what my job is. And also because it just worked great for us. But I think it's pure luck. Like, I think basically it's genetics. We all love eating. Um, and they, yeah, like Celia, my little one's favorite food was cucumber from like day one. You just can't ask for anything better. And I don't feel like, I think when people ask for advice about that, I just... Um, we'll say like we never made it a control issue, right? We always just kind of made food available and modeled loving food because I couldn't do it any other way. And my husband is the same um, and never like forced them to eat anything. But I think mostly it's like just pure luck. I don't know how well I'm doing based on that advice. (laughs) But you want to know what is funny is if you happen in your downtime, which I'm sure you have some um, right now, the podcast we recorded this past weekend jamie and the guest tilden brighton who's also was from around here but lives in hoboken now actually um she came clean and said that the she absolutely hates cucumbers and that (laughs) made jamie squeal with excitement because jamie hates cucumbers as well i happen to love cucumbers so celia and i are fine but it's just funny that the little things that come up um, hilarious. But, you know, I, I think eat cucumbers and if it touches something, I can't eat it. And everyone is like judgmental about it a little. It's like, well, <laughs> they're delicious and really refreshing. I'm like, they're gross. I don't like them. Like, I'm not saying that I you don't need to eat them, but like, and then I have to like cut them for my kids because they love them. So, you so know, that's I, a funny thing about um, tr- like being in these jobs where you kind of are slightly responsible for giving people advice. It's a little bit of a hard wine, a hard, oh my goodness, hard line to walk. Um, I never, I'm always very conscious of never wanting to be like, you should like this. You should do this. I try totally. never to use the word yeah. should. You can't do that. It doesn't work. 
if you, you know could ask, if you could suggest to somebody, like if you had an overarching foodie wish that everyone would try X, what would it be? Oh my goodness. Like a food or a, yeah. yeah. Um, this is okay. So this is like the most umami thing ever, but most people don't understand how wonderful of a pairing butter and soy sauce are. You can make anything delicious, like any vegetable that your kids might not want to eat, maybe not cucumbers, um, like any, like steak is good on its own, but you could do that or tuna or anything like that with just like a two second mix of like a little bit of melted butter and some soy sauce. I think that would like maybe go pretty far towards saving the world. Oh my gosh. Totally agree. Like when you're at um, hibachi and they make the fried rice with soy sauce and then they always put a little bit of butter and I'm like, no wonder it tastes so delicious. Feeling like this is like an epiphany moment for me. Oh yeah. Marissa, get on board. (laughs) Well, because we've been eating clean, we've been eating clean now for like the last couple of years almost. And I use I use butter um, actually more in ghee more mm-hmm. than I really ever did because I was using oil for so long and I mean I do use oil obviously as much but I use butter now without feeling guilt mm-hmm. um, which is an interesting thing talking about learning new processes and teaching old dogs new tricks um, I use butter a lot and obviously love butter obviously love all things savory obviously am one hundred percent the taste buds that you are like 100% like other than chocolate, like I'll pick savory any day of the week. Same here. Exactly the same same. chocolate too though. Yeah. I don't, I don't (laughs) care about dessert. I never had, I never had either. I would, I would sit down on a rainy day and house a baked ziti and I would be the happiest person. (laughs) No share, bring on the car, bring on the sauce, bring on the savory. This is a total aside, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I think it's so funny. Um, Do you happen to remember like the early days of Facebook when everyone was doing that, like 20 things about me list? Mm -hmm. Yeah. One one of my, so I have a sister who's five years younger and she's hilarious. And one of her 20 things was if you woke me up in the middle of the night and put a tray of sausage lasagna in front of me, I would eat it. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) Like the whole thing. Like the whole track. It's totally. Same. Oh my god. Okay. Well, now I know what I'm. I now I need to figure out what I'm making for dinner. Okay. So now <laughs> we did inspires. We we digressed a little with some challenging thoughts. We know that Celia likes cucumbers and Jamie doesn't. And I'm now mixing butter with soy ASAP. Like maybe tonight. <laughs> Excellent. Um. So. Jamie, do you want to go with next? Yeah, we we love to talk with people about their mantras. I think one of the things that we kind of survive by and honestly right now obviously are doing a lot of is mantras and meditation and just things that kind of get us through. And typically our mantras are, are very much about career, of course, that we tell our candidates and our clients on a regular basis. And I think one of my favorites, we have several, but one of my favorites is say yes. And I think that say yes is so important right now, right? There's so much that's happening. And I think one of the things that I have done for the last several weeks, and I've always been a very active person, a very active thinker. You know, Marissa was even saying last night, I do a lot of kind of side voluntary type work. And honestly, what calms me is being busy. Mm -hmm. So I think what 
I've done a lot of the last several weeks is to say yes to kind of everything that's thrown at me. Like, sure, I'll go on a Zoom for, you know, Fairhaven martial arts for my kids and then two seconds later go on a Zoom for something else and consume every amount of content and all the exercise classes. And But it does, it gets overwhelming some days. And then other days I feel like that's my favorite mantra. So do you have a mantra, you know, in general? And do you have one right now? If not, maybe it's the same thing. Oh, but I'm not great with mantras. I, I wish I were better about it. I like, um, I like yoga a lot and meditation. And so I think like part of me really would thrive with having come up with a mantra that's, that I could stick with. Um, I would say one thing that I always try for myself and also to be honest, sometimes um, wish for other people is um, don't be louder than you are interesting. <laughs> I like, I, I am enough introverted that I value my um, like quiet space, right? And so I never want to just be making noise in the world for no reason. So that's that's one that's like a little bit funny, but also a little bit serious, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I identify with say yes, and I've had a complicated relationship with it over time. And probably for some of the same reasons, like valuing my private time and quiet time. I feel like I've had to learn over time. Um, I, for me, I don't think saying yes to everything all the time is necessarily right, but I've had to like work pretty hard to identify what it feels like when it's right to say yes. And what it it feels like when it's not right to say yes. And I think one of the things I'm working on my action word, which is our next question or my action, my intention for 2020 was to say, other than going out your front door. Why? Going outside. Going out the front no, my, <laughs> my is to say yes, but right. So yes, mm-hmm. I can say yes, and yes, I can go to all the dinners and and be included in all the things and help all the people. But I can do that next week, or yes, I can help you, but I can't until Thursday. So that's been a big challenge for me, and I think that that's important to know your limits and your boundaries, like you said. Um, it doesn't mean that I need to chanted every morning but I do think one of the things I'm trying to do better at is saying yes but also with a with a ellipses which right now of course is a longer ellipses (laughs) yes I can do that but not until June um or or it can be yes and even right like yes yes, and sure yes I will do that and here's what I need to protect for myself or here are the other things I need to balance it with absolutely yeah and so speaking to that do you have an action word I mean obviously umami is your word that we keep talking about but do you have um we hate to call them you know, resolutions, but do you have an intention or something you've been trying for or striving for, for 2020? Yeah, I think so. I never, I haven't maybe owned it as well as I should, but I think my action word is embrace. And that means um, both like embracing new challenges and things that I'm maybe a little bit afraid to do. um, And then also, um, I don't know, embracing the things that are hard. I, maybe I'm not saying that quite right, but um, like embracing- no, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Embracing like limits as well, right? And trying just trying to like show up and be very honest with myself about where I am and be present. And um, yeah, embrace, whether it's embracing something that feels like very outward and a little bit scary or whether it's like embracing something that I know is true about myself and just owning it. 
It's going okay. okay. Embrace is a embrace is kind of a. We got a few more months to get there. It's only the third month of the year. Uh, but I, in all fairness, I think embrace is a beautiful word choice because it's a gentle word. Um, and I think power of word choice is really important. And, you know, sometimes we say lean into something or accepting mm. of something, but like there's a fine line between leaning in and acceptance, right? So embrace would kind of fall in there where you might know that you need to work on that and you're aware of that and you're embracing your faults and or you're in, embracing your facts or you're embracing your fiction and all of those things kind of are really i think it's great word love it i might actually i I might need to use that or take it it. um sorry street cred maybe um please take it i i also want to just segue for a moment and and say a compliment or some words of wisdom for the three of us right now because over the i think it was i don't remember what day it was because they're all the same day but um, yeah, two days ago or something, um, I had this incredible overpowering moment where I was like, every single time we laugh and smile and connect at this time is pure, incredible testament to human will. Mm -hmm. So even though we're all completely WTF, right? (laughs) Like, Completely. W- like what the actual is happening. <laughs> I, I, I find that by talking through things, connecting with others and doing what we're doing right now is not only healing for our listeners, but healing for me selfishly um, or selflessly. Maybe it's a combination of the two. And then also to point out mindfully or embrace that we've laughed and joked and had humor in the last 45 plus minutes or whatever it while still being part of this big WTF is so powerful to me. And it makes me feel vital. And I'm so thankful um, to be doing it together because I think it's important um, to share with everyone that we're, we're okay. Like we're okay. We're going to be okay. I don't know what it's going to look like, but we're okay. Mm-hmm. And you know, anyway, I love that. And it's all part of life, right? It's all, all those messy things happen all at the same time. And like, you shouldn't have to feel guilty about it or it just is. So do you have a superpower? I think my superpower is critical thinking. And I think that that's something that shouldn't be a superpower. I wish that everybody were better trained to do that these days. I think it's like, sometimes when I think about what I feel is wrong with our society, a lot of it stems from the fact that we don't really train people for critical thinking as much as we should anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think somehow that my, I I think I am naturally inclined toward being good at that, um, but it's also something that I try to focus on and be, I guess, did, did you say Tootsie said the word sane? Like, that's a thing that mm-hmm. I hear a lot, right? Like, people will come to me for just to, like, talk things out or for mm-hmm. advice. And I'm also, the flip side of that is I'm truly unafraid to call people out on their bullshit. And I don't know whether that's always, um, like, a. I don't know whether that's always a feature. Maybe it's a little bit of a bug, but I won't change it because I feel like sometimes that's what you need, right? And I'll do it gently if it's if that's warranted, and I'll do it a little less gently if I feel like it's necessary. Um, but yeah, it's it's <laughs> let's call it critical thinking. I like it. I, I like, like it too. 
And it is a gift, honestly. I think that it's something that's challenging for people um, in general is to be, I guess, confrontational is the not really the right word, but um, to be able to call somebody out or or speak up, right? So even if you, for example, we talked to go back a little bit, you said you're not a great public speaker, but you know what? You don't have to be a great public speaker to be able to speak up. So I think that that's a great skill, like where, you know, I'm a great public speaker, but I'm not as capable of telling people how I feel. I'm more passive. So I think that that's a great skill to have. So you should be proud of that. That's definitely as the superpower. Now I can also Markley though. That's my super superpower. I love it. Something <laughs> both figuratively and literally I can sparkle you up, but I may not tell you that it's ugly to begin with. I may just be like, so here's the deal. I'm going to just like add a few things. Um, whereas I know I could call Carolyn's be like, so that's ugly. I'm going to have, have Jamie fix it. <laughs> The funny thing is I actually really hate confrontation too. Like I shy away from it, but if it's like, if it's important, right. And if it's something, if I see like a bunch of people moving in a direction that I feel like is super unhelpful, that's when I'll just be be the one. That doesn't work. Totally. I love it. Now we always ask, is there anything that we didn't ask and should have? Like, is there anything you wanted to bring up? Anything about what you're working on? Anything about your website or your blog that you're, you wanted to kind of tell the audience about? I feel like we did a good job talking about a lot. Um, I don't know. I feel like the- Where does your content live? Is it on, you have a newsletter, you have a Instagram or what do you use mostly? It's the like vast majority of my audience is the website. So okay. just umamigirl.com. Um, and it's got 12 years of content on it. Lots of recipes and different like travel stories and suggestions and things like that. And um, we, another thing that we didn't talk about at all, but it's starting to be part of the content on the website now is we also um, like buy and renovate um, houses. And I sometimes will write, renovation and interiors content about those, which has been, it's a fun part of the business. So um, yeah, I don't know. That's been a thing that has increased as part of the blog content recently. And I think probably the only thing I would really have to say that we didn't talk about is just, um, I feel again, like I'm at a bit of a transition point. And I mean, I think everyone in the whole world feels like they're at a transition point right now in the past couple of weeks, but prior to that, um, I've been feeling like I suddenly have space to do something more with the brand, except I just don't quite yet know exactly what it is. And so I'm in this moment right now of like just putting my feelers out and kind of trying to learn what feels right for the next step, whether it's a physical product possibly or collaborations or something like that. I'm not sure yet, but that's, that's the mode that I'm in right now. Love it. Well, I think that people will be waiting with bated breath. And whatever you choose to do will end up being beautiful and have some extra savory flavor to it. Um, I think, I also think, you know what, I, I, I think when you started, your audience was a certain audience. And as we've matured together, right, um, yes. our interests <laughs> matured, our interests have, have diversified. Um, so having 12 years of content that lives on your site, you know, we can dig back to things that were relevant at different times and, or depending on what we need at the time, we can find it. I, I was looking on your site. I saw that you've done some pieces with career. You've done some pieces on, 
finance, you've been doing stuff with the house, things that are relevant to your life in which you're living right now, which if you have an audience that's dedicated to you, I can't see why that's a bad thing because they're already Mm -hmm. coming to you for X. Why not come to you for A, B, C, and Y as long as it's still on brand to who you are. Right. That's right. Yeah. And that's like the sort of like expansion of the idea of umami has been like the umbrella under which I feel comfortable branching out into areas that aren't just food. Right. Because if it has if it lives comfortably, like within the philosophy that I started out applying to food, um, I think it doesn't have to appeal to everyone necessarily, but it definitely like there's plenty of people that. Um, are just kind of interested in that philosophy, I would say, right? Or that right. kind of way of moving about the world. Or, and, so, or, yeah, and, or, and or your family's point of view. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Well, I'm into it. I love it. And, you know, and a shameless plug, but I will say it, you know, Marissa and I just, speaking of making magic during this time, Marissa and I just launched something called the Dreamcatcher's Web, where our hope is to bring all of you guys, all of our past guests and hopefully others um, into this community that will live for now on Facebook um, to share things like that. Right. So we we made a you know, uh, we priced it out and it, it's a it's a membership cost, which we, of course, are, are cutting in half for, for right now and giving a portion of that to mental wellness, which we think is extremely important right now. Um, but essentially it's an inclusive community for content, for sharing ideas. And one of the things that we really want to do with it is create little kind of net networking groups for people. So say, for example, somebody felt super inspired by what you've done and they want to start their own website and they want your advice. And if you were a member of the web and so were they, we, we would kind of see that and organically help to make that marriage. So one of the things that Marissa and I have been doing inadvertently or on purpose for the last 15 years or so is being matchmakers for people, both professionally and personally. Every single conversation I have, I'm like, you know, you should meet, you know, wait, actually, you know what you should do? You should talk to this one and you should be doing this. And, and so what we decided we wanted to do, it was going to be an extension of this anyway. And we decided early. So more on that, um, would love to have you as part of it to inspire others and to share your content within there. And maybe we can come up, like we said earlier, with a cool partnership in some way. Maybe we do a Dreamcatchers cocktail or maybe we can- Or it's create- not maybe, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. We should start there and we can We're talk like, about it. Right <laughs> you know, I know that you have contributors on your site. We can do such, you know, things like that, different articles, different content that we can help create and curate for you. So I would love to say that this is the beginning, hopefully of a great partnership. I would love that. Um, that sounds wonderful. wonderful. You guys are doing so much good work for everybody and you are definite connectors. And I love that. Very much oh my that. gosh. We love it. It comes naturally to us, but also, um, you know, times like this, it's, it's nice to be able to create community for people. Um, so with that, we love to end with some lighter questions. One of which is actually extremely um, applicable to you because our first question for our guests has always been, and I love to hear it from people that are actually foodies. Um, what is your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? Now you can define that as Bridgewater. You can define that as here. Um, but what's your like fave dish kind of of all time somewhere? I have so many. I can't do it in Bridgewater because my family cooks so much that when I go visit my mom, we are always just eating at home. So I don't even know anymore, but here, oh my gosh. 
I love yumi so much. I'm sure everybody so does. But the so there's a warm mushroom salad there, which yep. is amazing. And I think actually not to it's umami. on point, it's umami. And I think they almost definitely use a combination of butter and soy sauce, to be honest. So oh my gosh, go. so funny. Very on brand. Um, and then there's Seabright roll and the Shuyan roll. Like I could just, I, I literally, I think I said to my husband the last time we were there, like for my next birthday, can I please just have like $800 worth of Seabright rolls? <laughs> eat them so until good. Like, I, I tell I, people I, that all the time. It's not just good for here. Like it's some of my favorite sushi I think I've ever had, like in general. It's so good. I miss good. it. In fact, that was our last meal out Aww. for my birthday was at Yumi. The Last Supper. Um, okay, good answer. Now, the next, also very applicable to you, if you could travel anywhere in the world, especially now, but in general, one alone, <laughs> two with a partner, and three with your best friends, where would you go? Interesting. Um, I might not take them in order, because I don't, traveling alone, I had, a, can I talk about things I've already done? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think right now it would be very apropos. I'll take anything, whatever <laughs> right, you got. Let's do you're it. Like, well, you're I'm, looking to go alone. You're looking to go downstairs to the living room alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. There is Lock no your home in your bedroom alone, which is what I'm doing now. Literally, there is no such thing as alone time anymore, right? I'm like, no, I really need my alone constantly. time. Constantly. So uh, I've been very lucky and gotten to do a lot of travel. One thing we didn't talk about actually is that for a few years we lived in London when the girls were littler. So we got to do so much travel then. Um, but a lot of my alone travel is like business travel, but in the best possible way. And last year I had, last year right around this time actually, um, it's such a good experience. I got to um, work with the Vienna Tourist Board um, as my client and they basically just like unleashed me and a couple other people on the city of Vienna for five days and we got to do whatever we wanted as long as we only recorded it with a non-digital camera so I got like a little um, like instamatic camera basically and got to chronicle my journeys around Vienna and that was such a special experience it's such a great um, it's such a wonderful city for anyone but it's like super big into free you it's classical a classical music, music and, yeah it was a total dream. So I would say um, more of that, please. And that's, um, I guess that was 2019. And at the beginning of 2019, I decided, this is back to work a little bit, but that for sponsored content, like where I was working with brands, I was going to do fewer of those relationships and make sure that they really, really fit well and um, was going to charge more for them because I kind of wasn't charging enough. And that was the very first one that I got that was, that was just like that. So that was, that's something I'll always remember, I think. Um, and then another one. So I have um, to go with friends. One thing I don't tend to be very good at is like, just go sit on a beach somewhere and not do anything or not have my brain engaged. I can do that for like a couple days a year, I would say. Um, but we've had, for the past two years, and hopefully with any luck in September, I'll get to do it again. Um, I found two women who were not particularly close friends before this, but we started traveling together. And the very first trip that we took was um, two years ago, we went to Havana with um, this amazing woman who curates um, tours for photographers and artists. And so we spent like five days in Cuba together. And that was Totally, totally amazing. Um, 
And this year we're hoping to go to Sonoma. I've never been to Sonoma, but fingers crossed that that will actually. It's funny. I haven't been to Sonoma either. I've been to Napa, but I haven't been to Sonoma. I've been to Napa several times, but Sonoma never like made it into the extended four or five day plan. (laughs) It's a separate trip almost for sure. Yeah. So fingers crossed for that. Um, And what was the third one? Your partner. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, we forgot about him. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much anywhere. I don't get to see him that much, to be honest. We both are working so much. I probably would like choose to just hang out at home with him for a week if I could go anywhere. I love that. Well, you're doing it now. Um, Okay. So (laughs) last question. Wishes do come true. Yeah, dreams come true. (laughs) Um, One of the... Our last question is really poignant when it comes to people who love brands and work with brands. I love this question for a lot of reasons, but do you have a current brand crush? Is there a brand that you think is just killing it right now or is super inspiring to you um, or a person, a, a blog, anything that you follow or that you love that you are currently really into? I would say um, it's one that surprises me because like maybe eight weeks ago, I didn't feel this way, but do you guys know who Athena Calderon is? She's yes. a yeah, eye swoon. I, she and I started our blogs around the same time and I kind of never identified with her very much because everything is so beautiful. And I mean, she does incredible work, but it always felt like a little bit untouchable, but mm-hmm. she started a podcast maybe, yeah, probably within the last six weeks or so called more than one thing. And it's all about being a multi-hyphenate, right? And the um she gets incredible guests but it also is this moment where she has told her whole story that's super vulnerable about how even though she's always been like making all these gorgeous things and seeming very untouchable and she herself is like so beautiful um that she always kind of felt less than because she was never like she's a great cook but she was never a restaurant chef and she's she does beautiful interior design but she's not a licensed interior designer and she always felt like she wasn't enough because she was never throwing herself all at one thing. And then she started to figure out like that many of her friends and like these amazing people that she worked with had a similar situation. So she's created this space for um, people that are in the same situation. And she's bringing on these amazing guests to talk about what it's like to be a multi-hyphenate and and do more than one thing. And I've been really totally crushing on that. Recently. Um, oh my God. I, I like love that. that right now. Right now. <laughs> yeah, you'll love it. I'm also, a, I'm a 70 like, hyphenate. Yeah, I'm, and also the way you described it where I'm like 90% not really ish. Like I'm like, I, 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 that could not have been more descriptive of who I am as a human. So I need to Agreed. look that up. Me too. Um, and give it a listen when I'm awesome. done making butter and soy. <laughs> Um, and then I, you have to come up with a cocktail almost immediately. Oh, yes. Like it might have to happen tonight. Like actually, yeah. I, would, I think a live action cocktail would be, um, I actually might have to demand like it. We may have to tell Ming to stop filming and we do it like right now. <laughs> um, like actually this minute because my coffee's done and I can this hear the, the, the natives are starting to get restless. And in all fairness, I can't go a day without the drink. It's just yeah. happening. Now. So yeah. I did all of January, this is like another whole crazy story and I shouldn't wrap with this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I did 30, 36 days of green juice and bone broth cleanse, no drinking, like literally no eating. I needed it so much. Like I would never do something like that if I were not like loathing myself, but I, I eat for a job basically. Right. And so I just 
I needed that. Um, and it was like actually not hard for me to not drink during that time. And now I'm right back with you. It's like, what's happening? I pretty no. much like, <laughs> I don't know if I could do green juice and bone broth for a month. Although I could probably do anything I put my mind to. Um, but right now, not drinking is a non-negotiable. It's almost like not a safe option. Like No, no, doesn't work for me. Option. Doesn't work for um, me, as I like to say. That doesn't work for me. Nope. No. Not with two so boys, I, under, I can, not with can, two boys can, under eight. Not happening. I can intermittent fast. I can make foods that are unchallenging. I can figure out how to use the air fryer and the Instant Pot in the same day. I can <laughs> switch things on weird iClouds. But... <laughs> A cocktail is happening every day, like John Draper style at the case. That's so funny that you say that. Like everything I've been doing is classic cocktails right now. It's like there's a comfort in it or something. I literally mentioned Betty Draper in one of my most recent blog posts. Because because there's an absolute carnal need to time travel right now to any time but the one in which we're in. Correct. Minus minus all the lovely family activities we're doing. Um, listen, I can hear and feel natives getting restless everywhere. So I am so thankful that you shared your alone time with us and that we laughed and joked and smiled and, um, created together this afternoon. And I'm also selfishly, um, excited that my sister and you met virtually because I knew she would like and enjoy you as much as I did. Um, and I look forward to seeing you out and about um sooner than later i pray and at the very least i look forward to making my dream catchers cocktail um as soon as possible and i thank you we will get all this to you so that you can give it to your audience and thank you for being a dream catcher thank you both so much it was really wonderful thanks for being here